0: What's up, everyone welcome to another edition of the bash bros podcast my name is brad nelson and today i'm joined by my brother from another mother Woo-hoo! Corey bmtg how's it going bro
1: oh my god brad
0: it is going so amazingly i uh, why i mean are, are you still having internet issues and do you have all your decks ready for all of your tournaments? What? You, why you is know, everything going amazing for you all the time?
1: Okay, well, you know what? I I fixed my internet thing, I believe. I have my decks ready, but that's not even why I'm super hyped. Do you want to know why I'm super hyped? Why? It's because along with me and David Watt, of course, you know David him, Watt and are, I, yeah. David Watt and I are special guest screener. You know, you delegated some responsibility to me to f- Pick our special guest, and I just feel so, I feel so included, I feel so, I just feel hyped about that responsibility. That is
0: actually true. Now, before we actually unveil our special guest, I do need everyone to know that you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Got that out of the way. Check that box for our director. Check. All right, so, for the special guest this week, I made an ordered list of people I wanted on the show, but I was a little too busy with work, so I... You know, delegated that responsibility to Corey. So, bro, Yep, you're who welcome. Is our special guest this week. So I went by the list and I got the very first one, and that is none other than Brian Braun doing what's up, BBD. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get whoa, whoa, whoa. ready to whoa, 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 he was on the bottom of our list. What? Brian was at the bottom of our list. That when I said that list, he was at the dead bottom of the list.
1: Oh, I think I turned it. I think I may have inverted that list. Honored to be a part of the Bash
2: Bros. <laughs> podcast. Uh,
0: <laughs> Hi, Brian. Okay. So you didn't I, hear that, right?
2: So I had a speech prepared. Should I no longer give the speech? Or? Oh, no, no,
0: no, no. Please do it. Please do it, of course. Dip, oh. dip, well,
1: that was my bad. Sorry, sorry.
2: Yeah, I mean, I uh. just I wanted to say that I, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up listening to the bash bros podcast
0: <laughs> no no um, what what streets were you were, were you raised on uh,
2: the ones have been in bangkok of course
0: uh we
2: we had a radio and i would uh, weekly over here through the radio the bash bros podcast and wow. i i thought to myself like you know brian you work hard you know you never give up one day you might find yourself on that podcast. And here I am.
1: Here you are. It's really
2: the culmination of a lifelong goal. And to know that I was not only an honored special guest, but actually at the bottom of the list <laughs> means everything to me. So. Hey, I I made you made so the list, much.
0: man. Yeah. You made the list. So that's no. all that matters. Now, I just have to ask you a question, though. So, so growing up on the streets of Bangkok, listening to The Bachelor's Podcast, right. would you say that The Bachelor's Podcast got you through some tough times?
2: No, it didn't actually. it It actually made things a lot worse for me <laughs> yeah.
0: so so, so, do you think that our listeners' lives get worse because they listen to this podcast?
2: I would have to imagine, yes, they probably do significantly worse. Well, that's
0: not a selling point for this podcast. I don't know what is. Wonderful to hear that. Now, if you also think that your life will get worse if you listen to the Bachelor's podcast, (laughs) you can support the show (laughs) at patreon.com. Now, we have multiple (laughs) tiers. And one of those, in fact, is the pre-show. Now, for $3 uh, an episode, you could listen to our weekly pre-show where we set up this wonderful episode. So if you think things couldn't get worse, they could. wait, 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 you wait, wait. Give wait us Three dollars to listen to. I actually have
2: a question about the <laughs> tears. Is one of the tears the tears that I shed every time I have to listen to an episode <laughs> of this podcast?
1: That's the ten dollars <laughs> tier. Okay. Then we send people your tears. Yeah. Okay. I, but okay. are you saying? Are you saying that not only are we making people's lives worse by listening, but now we can actually take food out of their mouth if they <laughs> are Patreon? <Yeah. laughs> yes. Yes. All yes. right.
2: Not only have we made their life worse, we're actually. <laughs> Removing aspects of their life. Yeah. I mean, that's,
0: that, that should be our new pitch. It's like. The fastest route to poverty is through supporting the Bachelors podcast.
1: Not only will it take away time that you valuably need to better your life, but it will be, in fact, taking your hard-earned money. I mean, taking two, food two, off
0: the table, baby. Two of your most important resources just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Love it.
1: Love it.
2: Some say time is money, and for us, we like to take both. Yeah. Time <laughs> and your money. And yeah. light
1: them on fire. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, now that we've got that out of the way, good plugs, everyone. Yeah. It was perfect. Yes, How we aren't we rich them. yet? Yeah, we we hooked them good. Are we up to four Patreons now? Oh, maybe even
2: forty. Yeah, we got them. Oh. we got them hooked on Phoenix for sure. So
0: down down to forty, but so so this week we're going to be talking about Pioneer, actually the Magic: The Gathering format yep. that came out in 2019. This is also the format that's headlining this weekend's and next weekend's players' tours.
2: Wait a second, how is that possible?
0: Um, I I, I don't know uh, this this what, format what your context is
2: this format came out in 2019 and it's still legal for play. I don't
1: understand. <laughs>
0: it hasn't come yeah. back
1: yet.
2: Yeah, this would make sense. Okay.
1: To be fair, I think Pioneer is the only format that has the same amount of bands since it came out as 2019 standard. So mm.
0: that is impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> now. So for everyone at home that does not know this weekend, there's going to be two players tours. Now these are effectively um, pro tours. They're a little less, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's cool. Uh, prestigious. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Prestigious, <laughs> exciting. Um, <laughs> entertaining i don't know there's there's a lot of descriptors
1: pick your description and you're probably right
2: I mean, <laughs> it's just a slightly it's slightly lower level than a previous pro tour because it's a regional tournament instead of a worldwide
1: event
0: and but, it's less money uh, yeah i don't even know what the prizes are for this or uh i mean i know that i can look this stuff up i've i've actually been seeing a larger amount of the community just like maybe it's like cuz everything keeps changing and switching and and evolving that people are getting a little sick of like looking into um all of the different stuff but yeah. most people don't know what's going on anymore and they're just widely complaining
1: yeah people yeah. used to love to get the stats down and be able to just you know make sure they know what the goals they have for themselves before they go in now it's kind of inverted
0: Okay, that's the, you can't keep using the invert joke. We'll get to pioneer. I'm I'm foreshadowing, Brad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, um, I I am I'm excited for coverage though because we get coverage of three different events over the course of two weekends, and there's two coverage teams. One is live in Brussels this weekend because one of the tournaments is in Brussels, and the other one is time walked Nagoya. It's a bunch of uh Americans. There's like Amazonian is doing coverage for Nagoya which I'm excited to see how good that is. I mean, I'm going to be watching pretty much all of the coverage all weekend, except for when the Super is being played. Right. And, yeah. and that um, might even happen after the events are over.
1: Um, excuse me, my brother, Brad Nelson, I have an event I'm attending. I would assume you're going to watch
0: that. Yes. The star city your Games tour is showing up in Richmond where you team BCW member and two other members of your team are going to be playing and no one could care less. <laughs> okay but ex- <laughs> except my brother right like i i want to oh, make no. sure i have the support of my brother oh no i mean i love scg i work for scg i love the tour i was on it for many years but with phoenix coming next weekend and two of these and this is the first time they're going to do a player's tour uh and it's going to be broadcasted no I, I couldn't care less i'm gonna mark you down as a maybe then okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's>
0: good. <laughs> but yeah so there's going to be coverage of these two tournaments now how this is going to work is they're regionalized um events but you can play in any one if you if you choose to and some people say nagoya has a little bit more equity but you know you'd have to fly all the way there and even in the magic pro league i'm like i'm going to take my direct two and a half hour flight to phoenix and play in that event um and it, it also seems like a lot of uh Canadians are a decent amount of Canadians and um South Americans also went to the other events instead of America. So yeah. it, it you know, I I don't even know if the Phoenix one is gonna be the hardest one. Brussels might be. Who knows? Nagoya, I don't actually know, but uh it's gonna be exciting to see because like we can fig, try to figure out what their metagames will be like, but something's gonna slip through the cracks and it's gonna completely change the landscape for our event next week. Yeah. And so that's really cool. So for so that that catches us up to the format. It's Pioneer and Limited, and that Limited format is Theros Beyond Death. And I've been drafting a lot. I even have a, a fun Bant deck that has a Dream Trawler waiting for me after the podcast is over on my Magica Online account. And let me Ooh. tell you something: I was not in Band going into Pack Three. Well, what got you there, Brad? A Dream Trawler. Oh, of course. Of course. It is a Stainy deck. That is just going to try to defense until it gets to it. And hopefully it works, but so a nine out of 10 <laughs> with a <the> dream trawler. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I I think we can start talking about the pioneer format. That's, that's the show. That's what we're going to be discussing this week. And we're going to go through a lot of the interesting things, but even just looking on social media today, now we're recording this on Wednesday and this is, we're recording about an hour before decks are forced to be locked in for brussels and i believe they're already locked in for nagoya and what's really cool is there's some there's some you know talk on social media like mark tobias for example um was bragging about finally being able to 5-0 a league now that it won't get posted and he he had a turn two kill i don't even know how that's possible in the format and and the key word that he said there is i only had one turn two kill this time so uh, apparently it must be uh Quite the possibility. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that it's like a breach combo or a just guy Sentency combo with a boreal grazer. I don't know how else it's possible. Yeah.
2: I don't know. This, it could, could there be some sort of uh, Niv? What is that? What was that card? Uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn? Probably N- not. Niv Magus Elemental. Niv Magus Elemental I know it well.
0: I know it well.
2: Oh, I knew I Brad would know it well.
0: I don't think there is, though, because well. there's no storm. I think it's
1: got to be a through the breach or whatever that breach card is. I mean that that card's just insane.
0: Underworld breach. I I feel yeah. like it has to be the underworld breach combo deck. But even then, oh. like you have to grazer and then untap. I don't know. You you had have to, have to have to be perfect.
1: I mean, you don't actually need a ton, right? Like you just go grazer and then you like land hidden strings on one of your lands and then untap or so. You know, I I truly don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It would take a lot of resources and, yeah. and a perfect draw. I think it's possible, but it would take a lot of resources. Sure. Um, Because you need to generate extra mana, and I don't know how you generate a ton of extra mana before you go infinite. Uh, but we will be talking about that deck. The other big deck is the Inverter of Truth deck that's been popping up, and Canister has been streaming and just, like, tweeted out uh to all of his subs, like the deck list and stuff. And I actually jumped in and subbed and went and got the deck, and I saw a ton of people going in there. To grab it. It's 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 a perfect little gambit of just you know giving away the information, but you know like tons of new subs and new support into the Discord. So Canister's always been trying to grow his stream and grow his community, and this is a great way to do it. But it does bring up one thing to me: mm. if Canister truly broke the format, now the, I think the blue black inv- inverter deck is very good, and we're going to discuss that. But if this was like a broken deck or felt like he had the best deck in the in the room. I don't feel like you would ever give away that. And I feel like that's the weird gambit of content. Like, well, if you
1: have a stroke... What do you the think? The thing Ryan? is, he does. I, I think sa- it's Canister just does, you know? I
2: disagree, because he did exactly that. Um, with with Hogag. With, yeah, with Hogak, like... Oh,
0: yeah, that is true.
2: He literally had the yeah. best deck in the format, and he just played it, you know? Like, he, he, yeah. he made it public, so...
0: He did make yeah. that public, yeah. A lot of us had it, and a lot of people were playing it, but... Um, no, that's true. He, he does just, uh, give it away and, and still does well. So that's, that's pretty cool, but we'll get to that. But let's actually start looking through all of the decks. Now we're going to start with like the, uh, I mean, so we have, we have two options, two routes. And now as the special guest, Brian, I'll let you decide which path we take. Okay. We can, we can talk about the, the good stock deck. So there's three different branches of decks. We're going to talk about the, the stock decks that are still performing well that we expect to see at uh at least these first two players tours to in Nagoya and Brussels. We've got the stock decks that have been losing favor but still might be good enough and we might see them slip through, but they're not they're not having mass appeal. Or we have the new decks that uh Theros beyond Death have been um you know allowing to to be played. And like where we think those decks are gonna go, and how to build them, okay, so you you pick which one we talk about first.
2: oh,, uh, let's take the path of least resistance.
0: <laughs> which is?
2: Oh, I don't know what it is. I just that's what <laughs> oh, I want to take the path of least resistance. Said, That's which, for
0: you to find out, Brad. Which path do we take? Um, the path of least resistance is getting a different special guest. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually they can take a lot of resistance.
2: I think me as a special guest is the path of least resistance. Anyway, <laughs> let's just go with uh, the, the de facto top decks. Let's talk about those.
0: All right, de facto top decks. I think it's very easy to put um, mono black at the top of the heap. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of talk about mono red variants, and we'll get to that. Um, on this list as well, but Mono Black Aggro was was the de facto best deck in the format until the banning of Smuggler's Copter. But the deck still continued to be good, and that's because the the not only does the deck have a good like just a, a, a very good blue white control matchup, which is good. It's very linear and has hand disruption to fight the combo decks, but it gets to play. I think the best land in the format, which is Castle Lockthorn. And it gets to play four of them. So now this deck is just a bunch of one drops, and, and then it curves out with uh, with other creatures like Murderous Rider and Scrappy Scrounger, Rankle, Spawn of Mayhem. It, it, it gets Fatal Push and Seize, Uh and then it just gets to play four Mutavaults and four Castle Locktwains. Like this means the deck does does not flood or screw very often because yeah. it has. So much utility built into it.
2: When you said it gets to play for the best land in stand in in a uh, Pioneer, I knew you were going to say Castle Lockthwain, but I wasn't sure if that was actually better than Mutable.
1: Yeah, I so, think they're both. I think they're the top two lands in Pioneer, and this deck just gets to play both of them.
2: So I was like, I, I was, I was pretty sure that that's what you were going to say, but I wasn't confident that that was even correct. But it does just yeah. play both of them. So yeah, yeah.
0: And, and <laughs> so like this deck is monocolored. It's fast. Its creatures come back. It it gets to play uh the two best um like disruptive spells in the format, Fatal Push and Thoughtseize, And yep. you know, you can go one way or the other your sideboard. It has enough cards in the sideboard for a mono black deck. Usually mono black decks or color decks in general have weak sideboards, but black is a, a generally a good sideboard color. Yeah. So, but it's usually that the a mono black main deck isn't good enough. Yeah, the thing
1: I love the most about Mono Black is just the ability to pivot. Like when you're on the draw against the control matchup, to be able to go up to seven hand disruption spells, get your removal out of your deck, and really transition into a very hateful deck. Or up against an aggro deck, you know, being able to just load up with um with removal and get your hand disruption out of there. You know, at at the same time where that's a really good skill to have in a wide open Pioneer metagame that's kind of where the deck's fault is as well, is main deck you play, you usually play one card that's not good against whatever deck you're playing against, and if you draw a lot of those, you know, you get the experience, the the side of variance that may help you lose, but being able to pivot I, with this deck makes it so good. I, I also
2: love the uh, ability, like, one of the key things of aggressive decks is being able to curve out, and one thing that helps you curve out is playing a lot of lands, but... Flooding is a real problem for aggressive decks, so there's there's always that dichotomy between um, how many lands you should play. Because if you play too few lands, then you're gonna miss land drops and not curve out properly. But if you play too many lands, you're gonna flood out. I like that this deck gets to play 24 lands, but since eight of them uh, reduce the effects of flooding, alongside cards like Knight of the Ebon Legion. And uh, you know, Dread Blood Soak Champion, Scrap Heap Scrounger that like give you things to do with your mana that you, you actually can just play more lands, but it doesn't feel like you're gonna flood as much.
0: So yes, that, that is that is one of the big things about a deck like this, and and why I think it's still one of the best decks in the format, and and probably like my backup plan, I, I've played a little bit with Mono Black Aggro, like you know, four or five leagues earlier post Copter Band, but not like in the last week or two. And I've kind of just looked at this deck as the like, it's my oh crap button. Like if Wednesday, I don't know what to submit. I'm just going to submit the best looking black deck that I have and hope that I do well. That That's my game plan.
2: Yeah, I, I'd oh, be that. perfectly happy submitting this deck myself. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I'd probably rather submit some other decks just for play cho- like play style reasons. But yeah, I would, I would not feel bad playing this deck either.
1: But luckily we get to uh, sit back and look at how a metagame is defined by two different decks. The thing that we kind of brushed on a little bit, but the thing that I think is going to be so interesting about Phoenix is we have a complete two tournaments to look at, and I I do not think the Phoenix tournament is going to just look like those two metagames smushed together. I, I think there's going to be a lot of adapting to the the Pro Tour winning deck or whatever, because a lot of people are just going to pick up the Pro Tour winning deck from Brussels or Nagoya. And then I, I think there's going to be a lot of leveling when it comes to metagaming against those decks, or just the large amount of people that just pick up the deck. It's it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. I well,
0: think. while we're on that subject, and I did want to cover that, uh, but we might as well tackle it now. Um, I I think that with experience, now I have a decades worth of metagaming experience playing in tournaments. Um, while what you're saying is true. You don't want to go overboard with your like metagaming and tech because the the truth is everything's going to show up to Phoenix. There's going to be the players that are just playing their deck for the last month. That's the cards they own, that's the cards they practiced, you know, that that's the deck they're playing. And yeah. nothing that happens in Nagoya or Brussels is going to change that. There's going to be the players that are waiting like I am to either play one of the best decks or try to metagame and do that. And and then there's just going to be players that Um, might have had, like, a plan, you know, like, two decks that they like, and they just pick between them based on what they see. Um, So, like, even if, like, the same deck, let's just say Blue-Black Inverter wins both tournaments, that's going to greatly change how the next weekend plays out. But it's not like all of a sudden 20% of the field is going to be this anti-Blue-Black Inverter deck because you don't even know if that exists. So often it's, like, better to, like, Figure out how to win the mirror and just play the deck than it is to like spend those three days trying to find the anti deck because it might not even exist. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah,
2: it it makes sense. And also, people like people might just play like people might just see that inverter dominates like in this hypothetical, and they're just like, okay, let me change my sideboard or like let me change my main deck, and I'm still going exactly, to I'm yeah. still going to play the same deck anyway. I just have to make some adjustments. And then you come in with this anti inverter deck, and and you just lose all this other all these other decks. It it just never, I won't say never, but it, it's very rarely a good strategy to try to do something like that.
0: Yeah, every week's worth of metagame will show up. The three week old metagame, people will be playing chunky red, even though you know, like five color Niv kind of pushed that de- deck out. That's the next deck we're going to be discussing. That you know that pushed that deck out. People are still going to play it. Some people are just three weeks behind. That's the deck they like. That's the deck they play summer two one. And some, some people are going to be too many weeks ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, also even sometimes being three weeks behind might mean that you're on the right week, depending on how things shift out. Exactly, like, yeah. Like, if Niv doesn't show up to the tournament and that's the deck that pushes out uh, Big Red, then, uh, you know, maybe Big Red is, is primed that week for a comeback. And some some people might be playing it for that particular reason, you know? Like, they might not just be behind, they might be in tune.
0: Yep. Now, speaking of NIV, that's the next talk we're going to talk about. Now, five color NIV really showed up strong a couple weeks back. It pushed out mono red aggro or mo- mid range mono red mid range. I believe it's called chunky
1: red. Bro. I believe
0: it's called a midlife crisis, Corey.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I
0: hate the name chunky red. Yeah. yeah, I hate it. I-, I despise it. It's 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 not professional or interesting or even like like a, a fun name.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I don't it like I also don't get it either and and I also hate the name. To me it's just like it's just like when people use a a new like memey term it, it's like the it, it's like overusing It's
0: pronounced it. a meme, Brian. Are you saying it's like no, am saying- you
2: lit? I'm not saying meme, I'm saying Mimi as an I know, editor. I know.
1: Yeah.
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're so many layers deep right now. I can't <laughs> follow it anymore even myself. But it's like
1: <clears throat> neither can our audience. Don't feel bad. It's like when somebody when
2: like when there's like a new term that's taking over the internet and people just overuse it way too much and they just use it when it shouldn't be used to try to be cool. That's what chunky red is to me. Like like it doesn't, you know, like, it doesn't make sense. It's just people using a term it's just people using the term chonky because they because like it's the new cool thing to do and it's like sure yeah there's there's like some expensive mid-range cards in this red deck but like is that chonky Wait, I mean
0: your moto red deck tops at glory bringer that's never happened before <laughs> yeah. we've never seen Chandra and glory bringer in a red deck before <laughs>
2: alright let's, let's get a guest host not a special guest a guest host Wyatt, uh darby on the stream or yeah. a, on the podcast to uh talk to us about that yeah
1: i All believe right. we just had todd anderson the chonkiest of the creators uh just on our podcast if i is remember that, is that a fat <laughs> joke no he created oh. chonky
0: <laughs> the way you said is like the chonkiest <laughs> of the red
1: players <laughs> okay okay well <laughs> he loves the word chonky I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah well he
0: whatever. didn't create the <laughs> deck he did popularize it um he,
1: yeah he created the name though well yeah, I actually know Cause... the creator was uh, my buddy Jeremy um I can't remember his full last name, but he's actually from Fargo, Brad. Oh really? That's crazy. Yeah, and his, his moto name is Kill Germ. Okay, cool. Yeah, but he's from Fargo. I went to a music festival with him one time when uh, <laughs> when we when we were living there. Yeah, it's actually not called
2: Fargo anymore. They renamed the city to Chunky North Dakota. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Chunky West. Yeah. All
0: right, moving on, moving on because cuz <laughs> we're getting to our second deck 25 minutes into the episode. Um Five, five Color Niv Mizzet uh is a is a deck that pushed out Chunky Red and does have some issues with um it's actually pretty good against all the aggressive decks, but can have some, you know, issues with combo and control but um you know you have to play the like what 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 you call the fuck you cards in the in the five color nib deck right like like the unmoored ego in the main deck the what's the six mana sorcerer that can't be countered that makes them discard their hand
1: thought distortion yes that's
0: it actually thought distortion you have to play thought distortion to fight you know blue white control and hope Mm -hmm. they don't have one of the counter spells that actually does exile it.
1: Yeah, that's a good Niv Mizzet target too, right? Well, it's not. <laughs>
0: is but... that serious or uh...
1: no? I I'm thinking, what a Nambo. Yeah,
2: I, know. <laughs> well... I was th- I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you're playing a six man of black sorcery in a Niv Mizzet deck. It's really awkward.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, the thing about the Niv Mizzet deck that I feel like has to happen is you have to deviate your deck some away from that because, like, your your deck is so susceptible to certain cyborg cards, like Mystical Dispute, for example. It's all of your five drops, and so you do have to like change your plan, especially in matchups where like casting Bring to Light isn't even that good.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, wow. And so, but we've talked about five color Niv. It's been everywhere. I think that this deck is going to show up. I'm, I believe that it is decent.
1: Yeah, but it's there's okay.
0: no, there's no nothing telling screams that it should be a deck choice for me.
1: Yeah, I it, it definitely way. seems definitely seems like a deck that's going to have a very medium result. That's not really going to, you know, go eight two or nine one at, at a tournament. Es-
0: especially when the newest set in Magic shockingly has created a bunch of combos.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in, in no this format. It.
0: multiple different combos have been built into this format. But and thought, so,
2: thought Distortion's not from the newest set. Niv or Niv Mizzet Reborn and Thought Distortion—that's not a new combo from the new set.
1: <laughs> nor is it a combo yeah i don't i don't
0: understand what you're talking about it doesn't make yeah. sense i'm just saying that the slow mid-range deck is probably susceptible to the new combos yes yes it is yeah.
1: but one so. thing i'll say about the last thing i'll say about the niv do you really think the niv deck is good against like mono red aggro like the actual like aggressive mono red decks i believe it can
0: be built to be good against anything because you can you have like like you can you can be built to have sweepers and targets that gain you life like uh talsmere and and random stuff so i I do think that that uh the deck can be built to to beat hyper aggressive decks
2: okay. okay yeah I mean it's a classic mid range deck where you have like expensive card advantage that comes in like card advantage through board through something that you put into play, like like Niv-Mizzet, and then, yeah, you can build your mid-range deck to beat whatever you want to beat with it, but you have to make a sacrifice somewhere. So it's like, yeah, you playing a bunch of uh, Unmoored Ego-type cards in your main deck, like good luck with red. you playing a bunch of cards like Tulsimir or, you know, what Centaur Seandrider. Healer or whatever. Um, did I cut out?
0: No, 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 you're good. No? But, okay. but I, I don't want to comment on Centaur Healer. <laughs> that good or yeah, just I, I just this is a constructive constructed podcast and and I just don't want to comment on putting centaur healer in my deck not oh,
1: okay. to be con, not to be confused with being a constructive podcast. You, you, you know that yeah. this
0: deck plays siege rhino bbd <laughs> I do know that I'm aware yeah, yeah, also a just, great also a great combo with niv mizzet let's just go carry tit into siege rhino into niv mizzet
2: yeah, I see did. that that I don't yeah. I don't get that. Why would you play Niv over that in this scenario? I don't make any
0: sense. <laughs> You're gonna do so well in Phoenix.
2: <laughs> Damn right I am. I'm gonna cast Soak Champion. And then I'm gonna cast another one in a thought Thoughtseers, and I'm gonna be yeah. great.
1: <laughs> there you go. All
0: right, so so next deck on the list of, um, you know, strategies that are still doing well but have been around for a while are what I like to call the Fifty Shades of Red, which are all the different variations on this deck. Now now we have three different variations on the archetype itself. We'll go through them. So Zach Keeney kind of uh, put the hyper-aggressive one on the map um, at a Pioneer PTQ in New Jersey last weekend, which this deck is Bomat Courier, Monastery Swift Spear, Soulscar Mage, and then your, your two drops are... Your adventure creatures, you know, Rimrock Knight, Stomp from Bonecrush Giant. Then it has like Phoenix of Ash, and, and eventually eventually uh, goes up to um, Hazaret with a few Light up the Stage, and then four Wild Slash, four Lightning Strike, four vault, four Ramune Up Ruins. Um, this deck is just low to the ground, super aggressive. Uh, I mean, like we know that these adventure cards are good, and yeah. especially because like this deck wants enough threats, but it also wants to turn on its. Prowess creatures, and it wants to dump its hand as fast as possible, Bowman Courier. And that's what's really cool about Ribrock Knight. Like it's a one-drop and it can be exiled, so when you pop your Bowman Courier, it's still a resource. Yeah, this deck looks great to me. Same. I have one yeah.
2: question though. Uh like how how often how often is damage being prevented in Pioneer?
0: Oh, there's there's um, there's quite there's not a f- lot of ways for Wild Slash to be turned on. Okay. So then no, I
1: mean like the, the fog fogs come from the Lotus Field deck. There those still exist in the sideboard that you can fey of wish for, which comes up a decent amount.
2: My question is every list that I see plays for Wild Slash and then moves on. Like I think Wild Slash and Shock are almost identically are almost the same card the vast majority of the time I just question why it's always four copies of wild slash and then zero shocks. Like is four just always the right number of that effect to have in your deck. I I know that's kind of like maybe like off, off the point of this podcast, but it just, I don't get it. Like, does that, Oh yeah.
0: Your deck building philosophy, like because wild slash is not a significant upgrade to shock. It's kind of like, so there's a standard format where Lightning Strike or Lightning Bolt and Shock were both in the format. No one played a a first Shock because Lightning Strike was or sorry, Lightning Bolt was so much better than Shock that they just played that um, because it killed Jace and, and and all these other things.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and in Pioneer, that's not the case, right? Wild Slash and Shock are going to be the same card ninety nine percent of the time, and. And because of that, also, you already have Stomp. So even if you have Fogs, like, Stomp already does that same thing. Right. Um, And Wild Slash only happens when you have four power or more, and that's not all the time. So, like, 99.9% of the time, they're the same card. So I get what you're saying. It's not really for this episode, but, I like, no one, like, barely anyone has probably considered playing a fifth shock or tried it.
2: Yeah, I I just, I don't get it. Like, like if wild slash is great enough to where it's like a four of copy and like all these red decks, which it, it just generally always is. I, I don't understand why nobody's playing the fifth one. Like,
0: it, yeah, I mean, I'm there's, there's nothing I can tell you about it and explain it to you. But I mean, I would love to catal- catalog every single deck building mistake I've seen over my, you know, I should start cataloging them to do a, like an episode on the stuff. Cause there's a lot of time we'll see a deck list. And I'll be like, this is a clear, like, talking point that that we could bring up and um it's like sometimes i would see food decks with one thresh and Brontan on their main deck and no recursion it's like like you, you you get why that's bad but no one does or not a lot yeah. of people do um and and there's reasons why it's not just so you have an out to that effect but blah 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 um no that, that's a good topic for for another time maybe we'll get a different special guest to help me with that We'll call it glory bringer plus Scarab God, a, a group made in heaven. <laughs> All right, but now let's go a little bit thicker, um, medium, medium. We're getting red. chonky
1: again. Oh, not getting okay. chonky. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. So so the 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 next build of red that came out this week. Now who 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 popularized this core? You remember?
1: Yeah. It? Um. It is a Japanese player. Um. I I I truly can't remember. I I was told it yesterday but I already forgot. He's a, a phenomenal player. He was double mythic
0: number 1 at one point. Oh, uh to t- t- Yes. T something. Yes. Uh I I played him oh, round uh, three of the invitational. T- Kakame? Kakame, yeah. T- yeah. Kukame yeah. or something.
1: Yep, yep, something like that. But uh yeah, he he won the Pioneer Showcase which I'm told is a new event on magic online. That is like above a pioneer challenge.
0: Yeah. These are the new events that uh, will qualify you for the like quarterly big events. And those are how you get to the mocks now. Oh, so there's, there's there's four. There's going to be a Kakame by the way, Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be four of these qualifiers or three of them or something. And and then those players will, the top eight of each of one of those tournaments will then play another tournament. And the winner of that tournament goes to the mocks. Um, so if you get 40 points, that'll qualify you for one of them. And they have them on certain weekends. It's actually a pretty cool system. It's better than just giant mocks and mocks playoffs and stuff. Because it's it's going to let like format specialists in. So I, I kind of like this. Um, uh, especially because like there's no way in Magic to just solely play limited and then get to a big tournament. Um, and you can do that. If you just like to play Limit Magic Online, you can play in the sealed um, event challenge, and then if you win that, and if you win the, the next sealed into draft one, then you go uh, to, to the mocks. But, so this deck list is a little bit slower. It doesn't play bone Curry. It still plays the two one drops. It plays Abbot of Carol Keep, which is a pretty cool card, carry Zev, Bone Crusher, Chain Whirler, Torben, and then the same burn spells, um, but this deck is playing a couple castles and only one mutable because it's a chain roller deck. Yeah. It's a Torbin chain roller deck, which is a cool combo. Um, Torben chain roller and soul scar
1: mage to be able to all kind of work together. Couches, yeah. Sweet. And yeah. then
0: the sideboards a little bit slower with uh scab clan berserker over Eidolon, no yeah. experimental frenzies, an extra Chandra and, you know, and, and one Chandra's defeat, which is a card that can slowly, you know, one is probably as much as you can afford, but that card could, I could see being more and more in the sideboard. The
1: thing that I'm pretty interested about is a stock for Tormont's Crypts in both of them. Is that just out of the fear of the Breach decks and the... I'm not even going to say Dredgeless Dredge because that's such a stupid name, but the, the Graveyard Soultie deck.
0: Yeah, so so Tormont's Crypts in the sideboard is highly effective against Soulflare. Um, well, it doesn't always beat Soulflare, which is kind of messed up. Yeah. So if once you hit four mana and you go Grizzly Salvage and you hit all the cards that you want, you get to do it. Then you get to do it before it. they yeah. even get a chance. So yeah. Um, but that card's like the any any through the breach or sorry underworld breach deck that um, if they want to actually combo, they have to have the Torment script tapped or off the battlefield. Yeah. Now what's interesting is you can tap it with the uh the cipher card.
2: Hidden strings, right? Hidden
0: strings, yep. It does um, tap, you, yeah. Yep, you can tap down the torment script to combo, which is nice. But yeah, that's just for the graveyard stack, dredgel's dredge. Um okay. and, and just and it triggers prowess. prowess. It does trigger prowess. It can be cast for free off of Abbott. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool cute. Stuff. But so then then we have chonky red that's right now currently not in the metagame. The more red that shows up in the format, the and the more black uh and the less nib mizzet it the better chunky red's going to get or the big red medium deck
2: i mean I, honestly i think that this this uh like me, medium red deck that was uh like that uh T'ria played I, I think that's just a better version of of like chunky red i mean i, I don't think that it's I, I just think that this is chunky red just a better version of it um
1: yeah, I do think Glorybringer has gotten a lot worse. Just just being um,
2: faster, in the yeah, just yeah. being faster. I I think, I think the problem with Chonky Red was that it was too slow.
1: Yeah, and this but, deck I mean, is
2: still has the same core engine; it's just a little bit faster. So,
1: I think Chonky Red really preyed on the beginning of the format because everyone was just having a mid range fest, and decks were not finely tuned. So, Glorybringer Bringer was able to look really, really good. But now that every deck is becoming uh, tuned and streamlined, now you have to add Scarab
0: God to make your Glory Bringer's good. Oh, Otherwise, the it's good, just the good, uh, the good old days when I could play Courser in this format.
2: Plus, oh yeah, plus like, uh, like, like people are like the things people are playing now, like Inverter of Truth, Niv, Niv Mizzet Reborn. Like th- those cards are are particularly good against Glory Bringer too. So. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Now yeah. we got
1: to go under. We got to go under. No. out of all the three decks though what do you guys like the best i'm i'm kind of leaning on zach keeney's list
0: uh i don't know i i'm i'm probably not going to play red okay um i haven't been testing any red maybe i should maybe i will um like uh, today is like a content day for me you know doing this i'm writing an article and i the next deck i want to play is inverter um with my time just to mm-hmm. see how good it is because that that's kind of deck but we'll get more into that um but if I had to guess, uh, you know, I, I, I think this is the better build of red and of all the decks that we've previously talked about, black is the one that interests me the most. Yeah, I'm kind of in that camp as well.
2: I, I think there's a fairly reasonable chance I play a Monocolored aggro deck because I think that um, the format is really largely defined by the mana in it. And I think these Monocolored decks by far have the best mana because of... Um, how powerful the utility lands are for single colored ducks and pioneer. And so,
0: so I have a few other decks we have to talk about that are stock. And so now um, we'll talk about the decks that have fallen off the radar a little, these we're not going to get into, but these decks were around. They still pop up every once in a while, but they're off my list and stuff. So we've got breach combo that um has, it's, it's probably the deck that's like closest to I could consider, but not on, but I still put it on this list. Um, but that deck's fallen in favor because there's a lot more graveyard hate in the format. I mean, there's,
2: I, I personally don't think that deck's good because through the breach was from Kamigawa block.
0: Damn it, underworld breach. <laughs> um, then there's a Soul Flare <laughs> combo that has just gotten worse and worse as the format progresses. Um, Mono green Ramp, even though it's my favorite deck in the format, is I think it just has too many flaws. Like the first time that I mauled the six and still had to keep an a Boreal Grazer, I felt bad.
2: Yeah, I think Which, the biggest yeah. the biggest flaw by far of Mono Green Ramp is that they banned like five cards from the deck.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a solid flaw. Yeah, yeah. and now, <laughs> it's, now it's not good anymore. Is <laughs> yeah. it
0: Phoenix is also one of the more popular, like, has been a popular deck that just isn't good enough. Um,
1: That's but, my baby. I I wish it was good. I had such good times, and I was just crushing with Is it variants. But you're right; it's it's just not good anymore. And then Dredgeless
0: Dredge. Um, yeah. So. What's funny is how these decks look. Now, these are the other three decks that are are still being played and having better results than these. And there's a clear, like, thing you can see on why. The the three decks I'm talking about are it and Soul, Azuria Spirits, and Golgari Stompy. All three of these decks are proactive. And the right. other decks, while they're proactive, they're not just putting things on the board right away. Right, yeah. They, they all have this stage of, of setup. And... Um, all three of these are like get you dead kind of strategies. And whenever I play against all three of them, they they feel more impressive than I think they should. Like when I look at the format on paper, I'm like these decks are probably not as good as how they play out, and they all play out better than than they look.
2: One thing I want to say about like a lot of the decks that you said have fallen off the radar, like in particular, is it Phoenix. Is it's one of those decks where it always feels like you should you should be winning the game, but you just somehow aren't. And I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain. It, that's just how playing a Phoenix deck is. It's just it it just feels like you should be winning right now, but you're like you're at, like somehow you're behind and you can't explain why. Like <laughs> I, I yeah, like that's just my that's just the experience for those kinds of deck. I, I hate playing that kind of magic where I feel like I should be winning and I'm not. And and like I, I don't think that those decks are very good and i would not want to be playing one of those kinds of decks so yeah, yeah i'm with
0: you i mean i could see myself playing any of these decks truth be told the the is it phoenix is spirit single Guard, stompy um i've played with them they're all very uh they're one dimensional is it and, in
2: soul not not phoenix
0: yeah oh sorry yeah. is it in soul yeah. um is yeah. it in soul Azura spirit single Guard, stompy they're all like brian said have some a little bit of mana issues And, but they all do like pretty powerful things. Like, Stompy hits hard and fast. Yeah. And if you stumble even slightly, if you don't have your best draw and they do have theirs, then they're going to win every every game.
1: The one thing I really like about Azuria Spirits is I think the mixture of an aggressive curve backed up with counter spells, like it makes it really tough for decks like Niv-Mizzet, the Inverter Combo, any of these kind of clunkier decks to compete. And then for like mono red, you're probably a huge dog game one. But then don't they have like core firewalkers and like these really hateful white red, like these really hateful to red decks white cards in their sideboard that can kind of even that out? So I, I'm kind of interested in uh, uh, spirits. It seems
0: good on paper. I mean, it's up to it's up to them if they want to play those cards, right? It, they, like I I don't see those hateful cards. I see like deck and stone, disdainful stroke, dovens veto, rest in peace, mystical dispute, and settle the wreckage. And in, in the stock sideboard, yeah.
1: And I was mostly asking if Core Firewalker was in the format. I, I don't think don't
0: it that. is. That's it's from
2: Worldwake. I don't. I was lo- I was just looking up to see if it had yeah, been reprinted. I, I, okay. I, I don't think it was in the format
0: either. Or but.
1: I guess it's like Ram. I guess right. Like the 05 Ram that gains a life is kind of the
0: alternative. But that seems. No, so I'd much rather worse. I'd rather just try to settle these decks. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I
2: like the fact that that the blue decks like have a lot of have good interaction as well like i I do think that as a plus like being a being a proactive deck i don't really think that generally speaking in the history of like bigger formats than standard being a proactive deck with no interaction is just so rarely um when i say proactive i mean uh aggro deck being an aggro deck with no interaction is so rarely a winning strategy yeah and so if you're just trying to play big fat creatures to win with uh, I I don't think that that's going to be good enough. I, I like yeah. the fact that the Spirit stack, even the Unsold deck, you have access to interaction that goes with mm-hmm. your fast clock. And that, to me, that is a very relevant uh, pro check mark in terms of like wanting to play a deck like that.
0: True. Yeah, and, and so Spirits kind of fell off until people figured out that nibblegast Her- Herald is just a card you should play. Um, and then they also play Brazen Bar now. So like you have those interactive spells. Yeah. And and like you said, and then after sideboard, that's when you bring in your counter spells and matchups where you need counters. Um well, you have brazen
1: spellboard. bar, I'm just shocked that people weren't playing that in that deck. That's like the most perfect blue white spirit card well, ever. Well, it's not a know? spirit. Well, that's 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 against the grain. Isn't like Imperial Eagle, doesn't that just pump flyers? Well, it yeah, but it is a spirit.
0: So it's yeah. gonna it's gonna it's gonna be able to get flashed in by your rattle chains or and pump your mausoleum wander or true, true, and, true. And trigger your nibble gas. Like it's working with these cards.
1: That's true. Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah. They just made it a spirit to also work within that that format, right? It's better th- mm. it's better that it says other creatures you control with flying than says other spirits you control. Of course, yeah. For just like Cause then they don't have to print a bunch of spirits it, and it works. This um, is isn't
1: that where Supreme phantom was in as well. So <laughs> that'd be pretty yeah. awkward if you just don't have spirits, but you have two spirit Lords. <laughs>
0: yeah. All the other blue
2: flyers in that format. A lot of them, like there are, even, there are a lot of even elementals in that, that limited yeah. format. Yeah. That's why. yeah. Makes no. sense.
0: Um. So, uh. but yeah, so those are all like the, the decks that have been around for a while now. Two decks that really popped up ever since Throne uh, came out are the Heliod combo and the Blue-Black Inverter combo. Um, yep. I guess, I mean, it is true that the the Lotus-filled deck, you know, took Underworld Breach and became a better deck because of it. Um, it uses that plus Hidden Strings and Chronic Flooding to create a combo. Um, it's the
2: Chronic what? Flooding of flooding. Narnia.
0: <laughs> we want that we want that chronic. What? Flooding of Flo- Narnia. <laughs> so, um, let's save let's save uh blue block inverter for the last deck we're going to talk about. I want to talk okay. about Heliod combo a little bit because th- like mono red, there's 50 shades of it and um they they all have like interesting pros and cons and I don't know what the best one is. There's a lot of people trying to work on them and and fix them and there's a lot of good players that are even like showing up on magic online with different builds. So the, the build that I think isn't good, but looked the best on paper was the splash for collected company. Yep. Because this deck also played banalish Marshall and it was more of a beat down strategy. Now let me pull one of those deck lists up to, to uh, talk about it real quick.
2: Yeah. Uh, I saw that deck list and I having played zero games with it, have to believe that it's not a good deck. And I, and I know that sounds stupid, to say but i don't think that co- collected company is a very good splash in a deck like that um you have a lot of cards that are just unimpressive to hit with company
1: like walking ballista
2: that's that's number 1
1: <laughs> um,
2: number 2 is is honestly heliod like a lot of the t- I, I i don't know a lot of the time you're going to go heliod and then you're going to cast company and you're not you're still not going to turn your heliod on if you don't hit the right creatures yeah I, I i don't know i i i it looked it looked a little too all over the place it didn't look like the kind of cohesive sy- uh synergy and high power level deck that would be good in a format like pioneer
0: yeah and it doesn't have a ton of good interaction now the one thing that is nice about this deck and maybe like mono white builds moving forward might adopt is the inclusion of banalish marshall because that is a good devotion enabler but also if it's just in play, it makes the combo off turn two less mana. Yeah. So you can just play a Walking Ballista for two mana and then play and then give it Life Link with Heliod and then combo off. Yeah. no, makes sense. Um, and the same thing is if Anafenza Kintri is in play too, you can do that as well. That's what... Anafenza Yeah.
2: So Anafenza Kintri Spirit was one part of the deck that did that I did think was probably very good. I, I liked that aspect of it for sure because that and, and that makes company better too having cards like that. Um but yeah I in, in general I don't know I, I think that deck is too um spread too thin where like you have the Heliod combo as like a way to win the game, you also have like this kind of aggressive collective company way to win a game, but neither of them seem very good in the deck. And like,
1: it's not a very cohesive strategy.
2: Yeah. It's not like a lot of times people think like, they're like, well, I have, I have different ways to win the game. So, you know, if plan a fails, I have plan B, if plan B is not working, I have plan a. And like, that's like, you know, that's always like justification for playing decks like this. But the problem is that if both plans are bad, like if neither of them are good um cohesive plans that are like going to win games, generally speaking, on their own right, then you're gonna get into a lot of games where neither of them will win. Yeah, and, if like, you just
1: have a if you just have a bunch of bad plans, like I mean, all you have then is the Bash Bros podcast. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> Like, like con- con- contrast with a deck like Birthing Pod, like Birthing Pod had a kind of a bad beatdown plan as it's as its plan B, but plan A was so good and Plan A would win so many games by itself that it was okay that Plan B wasn't, like, a super cohesive way to win a game because Plan A was so good. Same with
1: Felidar-Guardian combo in Standard. Plan A was insane. Plan B had some Planeswalkers. You had some beatdowns. You had some energy mechanics. Exact kind of example.
2: Yep, exactly. Yeah, I agree. All
0: right, well, uh, moving on to the other builds of the deck, we've got... um, the what I like to call the Arcanist Owl builds. Now, this this is just the mono white devotion, very Nicdos-based. And there's a bunch of different ways people are building the deck, but effectively you use Arcanist Owl that can get you like your targets are either Stasis Snares or Quarantine Fields. You've got Heliod, Suns Crowned, uh, Daxos, and then uh Walking Ballista. And a lot of these builds are starting to play Elsiad of Life's Bounty, the new uh you know, one time use mother of ruins. Okay. And, and, um, what, what impresses me the most from these builds is like, well, two things They're they're knight of white orchid decks, which I love knight of white orchid. It's my favorite magic card. <laughs> and the other is that Gideon Gideon's usually aren't like good, but for whatever reason now, because of the inverter of truth deck and um the uh any of like the way that these combo decks are designed.
2: Gideon of the trials uh, for, for well
0: Gideon ser- yeah, Gideon of the Trials actually beats a lot of combo decks in this format. Yeah. And it's hard to interact with it. So now uh let me read Gideon Trials. Colorless white white for three loyalty, plus one until uh your next turn, prevent all damage, target permanent, would deal. Zero until end of turn, Gideon Trial becomes a four-four, blah 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 blah. blah. Um, zero, you get an emblem with, as long as you control a Gideon Planeswalker, you can't lose the game and your opponent can't win the game. So this card checks the blue black inverter deck really well because it's going to get an emblem so they can't combo. And then it's going to tick up on the inverter when it's trying to attack the Gideon. Yep. And they have like no
1: way to actually deal with it game one, huh?
0: Well, Um, you'd have to play it game one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't actually think they have a way to get it off the board.
1: Drown in the lock doesn't target a planeswalker, does it? Or- it's
0: any spell,
2: but you oh, can counter you can, it. You can yeah. you can counter any spell
1: uh, once, once it's, in, it's on the stack. It seems GG.
2: Yeah, once it's in play, like I I mean, some of the lists I've seen have have like you know ways to kill planeswalkers, but yeah, like borrower or something. Yeah, or or a uh, muck murderous rider, or you know whatever. But yeah, sure. I, I think for the most. Like, yeah, I don't think it's it's going to be you play this card and the game is over, like necessarily against every version of of Inverter, but it, it's going to still be very difficult for them to win.
0: Yep. And then and then getting Black blade can also make it cheaper the combo because it can give your creature lifelink, or if you want to give it indestructible before going off to give it a little bit more protection, it kind of like works well in that 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 place. Also just giving something lifelink and getting a trigger off of your your Heliod could, could be fine for a turn two. So, um, you know, I don't know how good these decks are. I This is the deck that I'm not putting any time into because there's a million ways to build it. And all it takes is one person figuring it out to completely change the landscape. So mm-hmm. learning this deck m- makes no sense for me. Now, this is a Phoenix thing, right? This isn't... For the players going this weekend, they they have to hope they have the best build of a deck. But I, I even if, like, you know... A good friend of mine from one of those tournaments says I have the best version of the Heliod, I, I would bet against them. I'm you know, I'm, I'm gonna go with the world over any of my friends.
2: I'm actually mm-hmm. really excited for these decks. I, I even I don't know if you remember this, Brad, but I told you like two or three weeks ago that I wanted to work on a like mono white prison y deck because I thought that would be a good shell for the Heliod Ballista combo and Pioneer yeah and a lot of these decks are are kind of heading that direction and and so i'm excited to see what comes of it i'm not a good deck builder myself i i i do not think that i would be the one who comes up with whatever the better versions of these decks would be but i i am it's the kind of deck that i would love to play in the tournament so hoping that somebody can can find a way to make it good
1: yeah, you do love closing doors in magic games. Where me and Brad like to just uh, slowly kick
0: down doors. I think. I mean, if anything, I w- <laughs> I'm gonna try. If you want, I would. I suggest just trying Shouta's build. Shouta six, just whatever it is, six two. The Pioneer Challenge. Oh. No, Shouta oh, okay. has a build of the deck. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, and gotcha. and it plays Elspeth Conqueror's Death, which I think is just a fantastic magic card. Oh, yeah! You got my attention. Yep. I love that card. Yeah, you can get it with Arcanist Owl. It's going to bring back something. Um, It can even bring back a Walking Ballista, right? Put a counter on it. It comes into play with a plus one, plus one counter. I think that's Yeah, a loyalty works, so. counter. It yep, does, absolutely. yeah. That's actually
2: a, a real sick combo. You can even just go cast a Ballista for zero to set it up if you need to.
0: Yeah, and just get it back yeah. the next turn. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a gasser. Mm-hmm. And then, so last but not least on our decks to talk about is the blue-black inverter combo. Now, for those of you who at home do not know what this is, if you haven't been following Pioneer, there's a card called Inverter of Truth. It's two BB for six, six. It's a mythic from one of the Zendikar sets. And when it comes into play, you excel your library and your graveyard gets shuffled and becomes your library. And that's all that this card does. It's, you know, it hasn't been played, but it's like a really cool effect. Now, because <coughs> in the last uh, couple sets, we've had both Jace Wilder of Mysteries along with Thassa's Oracle, two ways to win the game if you have no cards in your library or a a small amount, right? Thassa's Oracle's devotion based on library size. Yeah. If you have zero cards in your library, though, Thassa's Oracle, your devotion can be zero and still win the game. Mm
1: -hmm. So now- They can kill it on the stack, essentially, and you still win.
0: Yep. And so what makes this deck great, though, um, because, of course, if you play a really long game and you have 15 cards in your graveyard, even if you play the inverter, that's still a big, big library. But what makes the deck disgusting is that they didn't ban dig through time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so dig through time. It's just a dig through time combo control deck. Now it's, yeah. you know, thought seizes and, and fatal pushes sensors, um, ops dig through time. Um, some other removal people play other like removal spells like Drawn the lock or a thought erasure murderous cut. Uh, what what have you? There's a bunch of different ways to 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 build this deck. But its end game is to win with this combo. And so now we can now we're gonna talk about the blue black inverter deck as is and as part of this format, but I just want to talk about magic from like a philosophical sense. And um I have always thought that combo control is the best deck in for in magic. It's kind of a broken archetype because Control dot only is a reactionary uh, a deck, and usually you can react to an opponent for quite some time, and it's kind of an easier strategy to play. But actually turning the corner and winning the game is where most control decks like lack. Yeah, it's not holding the fort for X amount of time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so it's usually like because you have to play win conditions, and those win conditions aren't that good. Sometimes you draw them too much or like they have the removal spell for it and and you lose the game.
2: And sometimes there are decks like we see this in standard a lot where it's like you deal with the first 90 things they play and they just play a Carnage Tyrant and you lose, or like whatever mm-hmm. happens. Like just like some yeah. decks can just go over the top of a hundred removal spells and you eventually lose the game, or they just you lose in weird ways. They go to sixty life, and your win condition can only deal fifty-three damage before you mill out. You know, like yeah, there's so or, many stupid ways in which control decks lose games when they because of that stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of control decks these days have you know just in standard for sure just has a lot of situational removal. We don't have Veraska's contempt, so control feels just a lot harder because you have to guess which kind of removal spells. We you actually think are have
0: rascal's contempt in standard. Really, it's Ooh. it's in. Theris Beyond Death, it's three colors, black, exile a creature, planeswalker, scry one, or surveil one. Yeah, sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, um, that's that's fair, but you can't kill enchantments with that. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's still kind of situational. I guess Vraska's Contempt was a bad example, but being able to kill just anything, you know?
0: Yes, situation yeah. removal makes magic better. Um, Agreed. Unconditional removal is bad for the game, but... That's why the combo aspect like breaks the mold, and because you don't have to worry about dealing with everything, you can just combo when, uh, whenever you get a chance. That's what made Splinter Twin so good. The combo was very fragile, but built into a control shell that had Snapcaster Mage and all this stuff. You could just play a game and sculpt until you can actually set up your combo.
1: Yeah, I mean that's why Urza is still dominating modern. I mean Urza is the Prime definition of combo control. Is it still dominating? I don't
2: know if it's combo control. Like I actually want to amend what Brad said a little bit. Um, I, I think that there are two archetypes that dominate magic when they are good, and one of them is combo control, Splinter Twin being a great example of it. But the other one is actually mid range control. Is also whenever a mi- there's a mid range control deck, that is also um, oftentimes a dominant deck. Decks, for example, decks like Cowblade, um, Esper hero well esper hero is kind of a watered down version of it even though it was a very good <laughs> at deck in standard it, it it that's exactly what Esper hero was but compared to some of like the powerful examples from magic's pass it's kind of watered down but yeah like Cobblade was was uh mid-range control um I I think uh Miracles and Legacy was mid-range control with mo- once monastery mentors printed and that's why it went from being just like a good deck to being like an absurd like we have to ban something deck is because it gave it that mid-range angle to a control deck. So yeah. Yeah. Control as an archetype is kind of a weak archetype, but if you give it another angle to win a game, either through a mid-range or through a combo, that's where, that's where it becomes absurd.
1: I'm waiting for aggro control. That's what I want (laughs) to (laughs) see.
0: I mean, aggro control is a thing, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah,
1: Mono red hazard. I mean, have you, has has no
0: one ever seen my red white deck from, from uh the pro tour Mon- monastery
2: monastery
1: mentor titan
2: strength it and then wrath you yeah.
0: okay so for people that don't know there was a time where i, I was in a feature match against seth manfield at that tournament and they cut over to our battlefield where i've taken control of the game and i have played walkers in play but my graveyard is just monastery supposed to be titan strength and uh and hostilities uh, five, and hostilities <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're like what has been going down
0: here? Oh, my my favorite was in round four, which is the first round of constructed. After I I I destroyed, I, I like demoralized Yuza in this tournament because I I got my my deck's first turn four kill. I've never done it with it, like Swift Spear into Seeker into like Chain to the rocks plus another Swift Spear into like Titan Strength or something. And I just turned four to them. Then in the next game. And he's playing, like, ob's on Aggro. And the next game, I just control every single step of the game and then just play Planeswalker, Planeswalker, Planeswalker. <laughs> and, and, and then and then the game's over. And he just had the dumb, most dumbfounded look on his face.
2: I just love that you beat Seth on camera with that, like, garbage combination of cards because you know Seth was thinking, why didn't I think of this deck? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally, like it's, like, it's like every Seth deck I've ever seen. It's like... It's like he has one plan and then he turns into another plan and it's just somehow it's still a good deck. Like I don't know how Seth does it. He's Oh yeah. He always finds a way, but he has these weird decks that like uh. that that do things like that and then and they there's they're they're effective. Okay, but yeah. my
0: favorite part is i am finished my match and then I want to go find my teammates because this is the first <laughs> round. This is before we did deck list, right? So this is the first round where I could see if any of my teammates like are doing stuff. And I, I find Patrick Dickman playing against um Sam Black and Dickman has all three planeswalkers in play. It was Chandra, Elspeth, and Sarkin. maybe a, Sarkin, and has all three planeswalkers in play. And Sam Black just has four and count it four hornet's nests in play. <laughs> <laughs> Which hornet's nest, for anyone that doesn't know, is a two colors green zero two that makes one one death touch insects for every damage dealt to it. So yeah. it's it's designed to just be a nightmare for Obs on agro. Man, like,
1: transitional sideboards are something that kind of died when uh deckless became public at these player tools tours. That was so great. You know, just completely pivoting and your opponent's stuck with all these anti-aggro cards, and you're just like, Nope, went the other way. I on mean, that I one. would
0: do an episode on how decks have changed for good and bad. Maybe that's an episode we should do because. Uh, my my whole, I mean, all I play is open deckless tournaments now. The Invitational yeah. was kind of weird to me because it was the only tournament in 2019 that I participated in that wasn't open deckless. Even all of my online tournaments that were, like, you know, just for fun, like fandom were open mm-hmm. deckless tournaments. So like, you know, even though I only played the eight major events throughout the year uh, plus the Invitational, I played all of these other e-leagues and, and fandoms and stuff like that. And I got. I'm, I'm very accustomed to this open decklist environment, but there is some yeah. things that are lost, and it makes things more challenging. It might just be an interesting episode to do on a theory piece.
2: Yeah, sounds it's, great. It's kind of weird. I, I I'm the same way. I just all play all these open decklist tournaments now, and it's like now if I'm playing a tournament where it's not open decklist, I'm like I don't know what to do. I don't know what's in my opponent's deck. How am I supposed to play the game? Like <laughs> it's like oh, that's how Magic's supposed to be played. What? Like you're not supposed to know what's in your opponent's deck weird.
1: Overrated. Yeah. Well, it seems like we should be getting a different guest than BBD for this one, Brad. He does not seem very interested in the, uh, in the appeal on that. Oh, I think he is. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, so let's talk about this inverter deck a little bit though. We we yeah. got off on a tangent now. This deck, uh, might just break this format. People don't mind it. It looks good. It, it might. And, and because it is a control deck that gets to play dig through time, which we all know is going to eventually get banned in this format. There's no way it's going to exist forever.
1: Yeah. And And I mean, to be honest, it's, it's being made popular by the brewer himself canister. So there's a high percentage. It's broken. That dude breaks it on a daily basis. I mean,
0: it'll, I'm mostly interested in how many of like the, the MPL and rivals end up playing this deck in the tournament. Like we already saw, I saw autumn looking for cards for this deck. We know canisters playing it. I bet a few others will. And, you know, this weekend, it might just be the breakout deck. Now, this is how we'll know if this deck's good or not. If Wizards is actively trying to keep it off camera, it's probably too good to exist. (laughs) Yeah, there
1: you go. There you go. No, it'll start on camera for the first few rounds, and then they'll be like, oh, no, what have we done? And then it's banished. It's like, and we're
2: bringing you a feature match. It's two, three, and three players playing, uh, you know, two
0: random oh, rules well, against each other oh yeah. no that that <laughs> actually happened at gp coverage so people made fun of i can't remember the matchup though all right but let's, let's actually talk
2: about the deck itself i i don't think people are saying that it's like splinter twin so for people who don't understand uh, i'm going to explain how the deck works so um it uses the card inverter of truth which when it comes into play you uh exile your library and your graveyard becomes your library and then, I've already done
0: this. Were you not listening? Yeah, we, oh, we did you, this. Oh, did
2: you do that? Yeah. Wow, yeah, that was, we it, was, it was so long ago.
0: Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> I know. We already did explain the combo, and based on it, because Dig Through Time allows you to minimize your graveyard right? and set, and sculpt your hand. So you can go Dig Through Time into Dig Through Time combo piece, Dig Through Time into Interactive Spell, other combo piece. Uh, it, you know, Thotsy's Inverter of Truce, thoughts' Oracle, that's game.
2: Yeah, yeah. You can the 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 cool thing is you can dig through time like pre or post. You know, like
0: well, yeah. And also one of the things I like about this deck is you can you can go you can go like just interact magic, play a fatal push, fetch a land, play sensor, play one or two thought seizes, just slam turn four inverter, and then all you have to do is play one or two more turns of magic, including those thought seizes again, and then combo them. Yes. So that's what's disgusting about the deck is you can just like slam an inverter of truth which is a six, six for four that they have to get through to kill you if they're trying to be aggressive or whatever. And then you get back those thought seizes and you can just go opt, thought sees you, fetch, or, or what I guess you can't fetch for land anymore, but you can like, you know, maybe play an opt, get down to two cards, play thoughts Oracle, win the game.
2: Yeah, I got messaged about this deck like right when uh, Thassa's Oracle got spoiled on Twitter. And my first thought was like, I get messaged deckless from time to time. And a lot of times I'm like really skeptical about it. But I got messaged this, this like combo. And I was like, that actually looks pretty good. I mean, it, it, it it's just like Inverter of Truth is just a, a solid card, you know, like a 6 yeah. 6. It shuts down a lot. There's not like that much removal that kills it that people are playing in this format. So like it, it is nice that you get to like as part of your two card combo, you get to just play a 6-6 six, six creature. Sometimes it can just win by itself. You don't even need to um, play the combo with it. So,
0: But yeah, I think that this deck is going to be the thing that we have to look out for the most into going into Phoenix because... Depending on what people show up with and how the tournaments uh, play out, there might be a deck that just blows us all away. Like, like we said at the beginning of the episode, um, we had Mark Mark Tobias talking about how his deck is capable of a, a turn two kill, and he keeps scooping four zero leagues. He can finally five zero one, and we might see that deck in a deck dump tomorrow or the next day too. Yep. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to be keeping. My my eyes spill because my whole plan for Phoenix and maybe this will blow up in my face. Cause I won't know how to play these decks well enough, but my whole plan was to only test limited for a couple of weeks and then just hit pioneer hard. Once the data starts coming in, because the last thing I wanted to do was get on a strategy and then have these two tournaments completely upheaval all of my, 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 my efforts. So I mean we're just gonna see what happens this weekend. I'm gonna be watching. I'm gonna be excited. Um, you your your tournament's Pioneer as well, right, bro? It's a standard Pioneer Modern. Yeah. So who's your Pioneer player? Uh, Pete, and he,
1: uh, you know, he was definitely looking at the inverter of truths. Um, probably doing some testing as we speak. Um, you know, I mean, so definitely gonna be interested in seeing what it can do at the SCG level. By the time deck
0: registration happens at nine in the morning, you're going to already kind you, I guess it'll be nine. Yeah, no, like it'll almost be top eight time. Like you, you'll have like, you might have like a lot of information from both tournaments. Well,
1: that's good. Luckily we got a Ely Cassis in the modern seed who has just been locked on his deck for quite a while and I'm flopping around here a little bit on standard, but it, we should have a good team. It should be a lot of fun to play.
2: Is Ely still playing Urza?
1: Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. It. And his, his deck <laughs> his deck is gas. It is literally combo control now, though. We're playing a bunch of Thotsis, Inquisitions, uh, Fatal Pushes, Cryptic Command, Charms, all this. And then we have were Mystic, Mystic Sanctuary to get both... You know combo pieces, and then you have Urza just to lock it down. I played a little bit with it, and I would expect him to absolutely dominate. Um, You got a bunch of egos for Titan decks; it it looks really good. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that he's playing that. Oh no! (laughs) And and also,
2: I would not be surprised if the deck is great.
1: Yeah, as well. But he's gonna play it.
2: Disgusting. Yeah, He's Urza's gonna play
1: disgusting. it. He's gonna play it if it's good or bad, though. So it could go either way because he has been on Urza since you know I think he was born. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is gonna do it for this week on the Bachelor's Podcast. Brian, thank you so much for thank being you, our Brian. last pick for the week. I didn't mean to uh,
1: make you feel bad there, Brian. I thought that was the top of the list. So I was, you know, I was excited to have you back, but uh, I, I'll, I'll rectify that next time I'm given responsibility. Hey, okay, th-
2: Thank you so much, Corey. Brad,
1: Yeah, you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was- We really a... got to get on our special guest screener though. But I mean, he should have had something to say about that. It was really an honor and a
2: pleasure to be on the Bash Bros podcast. You know, I look, I look forward to it every week and, and I'm glad that I got to be a part of it. And- um, and really I, I think you guys both can uh can can really you know go fuck yourselves for, <laughs> for making me the last pick. But yeah, that's
1: all I got. <laughs> all right, so hey, we're just trying to correspond this to gym class for you, bud. Oh, I was never last <laughs> pick in
2: gym class, Corey.
1: I was like second or third to last. Come on.
2: Give <laughs> hey, me some
1: credit here.
2: Not bad.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So before we go, I'd like to say that. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, you can do so at Patreon.com. We have multiple tiers. $3 tier is going to get you our pre-show every week. We get set up, hang out, chat a little bit, and uh, that's that'll be some extra content if you're looking for more BBP action. Uh, and also at $5, we have a list of casting crew. Now, these are our biggest supporters. They help make sure that this keeps running. This money is going into other some other projects that are going to be hopefully interesting and hopefully are going to be happening here very soon oh yeah um, but without further ado let's talk about our cast and crew all right yeah and this is again thank you so much for all of the support to all 11 of you without you this show would probably still be going on but we won't be doing cool stuff or feel as good
2: without you guys <laughs> Without, without you all doing this, this show would still be happening. And instead of people wasting their time and money, they'd only be wasting their time. So yes. a, a huge round of applause. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No kidding. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's do it, Brad. Take us away. All right. I'm going to, st- uh, since we've inverted our list of special guests, let's invert this list. Ooh. All right. All right. So we're going to kick things off with Andreas Hammond. Uh, who is our Roanoke gas station scouter. Now, oh, if you don't...
2: That's not correct. What? Roanoke? Nobody's scouting that. Oh, Richmond. Oh, yeah. Richmond gas
0: station scouter. I apologize. Very
2: uh, important distinction there. Andreas,
0: that is true. <laughs> it is a very important job. And if you don't know why, you don't need to.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's very too true. All right. I'll go next. Our, then we got Gier Mageldi. <laughs> that is a majestic... Uh, Thank name. you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> they are the assistant to the assistant regional manager looking for that promotion one day but still the assistant.
2: Yeah, we're we're still working to get the podcast located out of Richmond, Virginia so that uh their two the departments of Andreas and Gear share uh can kind of <laughs> work together a little bit. We got Rabbit Chicken Vice President of Video Operations uh Really important job. That's it's, all it's, I. Get.
0: It's it's our most important job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It we're is. Not, it is not. our second
2: most important job.
0: <laughs> behind behind symbol, which is our executive waste management operator. Yeah. Yes. Very smart. Yeah, that's a that's a shitty job.
1: Then we got Victor Bo <laughs> I love that.
0: Part. Course getting all the names now.
1: Yeah, I I don't like it's inverting anything.
2: It's definitely Bo. I don't know what the, you know, I don't know if it's... Bochamp? Bochamp? I, I think it's Bochamp, if I had to guess. I could be That's wrong. a pretty
1: badass name, yeah. if, if I may say so myself. Victor Bochamp is our executive producer, So he's in charge of the Jager bombs, you know, any other kind of bro activities we do. I haven't had a Jager bomb
0: in so many years.
1: Well, you need to become more like a bro. I yep. took a
0: shot of Jager Meister in the last couple of years, and yeah. I used to like that tw- 10 years ago. It tasted like literal death.
1: Did you take a shot with somebody from Mandan? uh
0: no, no, I oh. took it I took it in the in the check. I went to uh I went to um why can't I remember his name winner of PT Australia. he was on our team. I'm blanking. it's 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 my brain's fault <laughs> not not what what's his name? Lucas Blohan Lucas Blohan's wedding Jesus, I'm uh, my brain sucks. <laughs> um, but I went to Lucas Blohan's wedding and the Czechs loved Jagermeister. All they did was shoot. I had like ten shots of Jaegermeister. I had no sleep because my flight got, um. Got uh, shut down for a day, delayed for a day. So we actually landed when the wedding was happening, and I said, "Fuck it, let's just go clean up and go to the wedding." And so we're tired, and I'm just doing shots of Jaeg all night. And one of the guys <clears throat> is like, "Uh, well, if you don't like Jaegermeister, what do you usually shoot?" And I was like, "I don't know, like, like Shit. this." The, the, yeah, should the <laughs> cough <shit>? syrup. <laughs> I was like, I don't know this, and they're like, "All right, let's do a shot of that." And I'm like, "That I should have saw this coming." Yeah, yeah, but, smart. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the 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 checks are definitely producers as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: You should have saw this coming. Just like David Watt should have saw the horrible reception for our, me as a special guest, <laughs> as he is in yeah. fact the special guest screener. Uh, mm, your yeah. mileage may vary on whether he's doing a good job or not.
0: All right, and Tom Wilkinson is currently looking for a job in our casting crew because Soltai is fucking garbage. Uh,
2: we well, haven't
0: used him in a while. It's
2: not Soltai, yeah.
0: it's it's dredge-less Dredge. It's Dredge call called Dredge correspondent. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Tom's gonna have to apply for a new job here soon in our Discord. <laughs> wink wink and make a new job, Tom. Yours is yours is a dying breed. It's like journalism, it's dead.
1: Wow, wow. <laughs> All right, then we got Spoon Tongue, which is BBB's hairstylist. That is a very important job because that stuff is everywhere.
0: And he is such a diva when it comes to his hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just has to be perfect.
2: Yeah. All right, we got uh, Daniel Russell, Brad's International Document Consultant. Uh, Gotta say, fortunate that this tournament's in Phoenix because that's in Arizona. Uh, because it's it's really close. If it was in Albuquerque, that would have been in New Mexico. And then Brad would have had to get his international documents in order yeah. to take uh, to, to be able to play in a tournament in New Mexico. I don't so. think
1: that's yeah. true. Yeah, I see why you uh, stayed with the Phoenix uh, one instead of going to Nagoya, bro. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Co- continental United States, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So, Paul. Paul is BBD's wall staring photographer. Now, Paul has said we've mispronounced his name Paul every time in our Discord. So I'm not even going to attempt it. But he did post Ooh, a picture. Whoa. Did you see it in our Discord,
2: Brian? I'm going to go with Kacharowski.
0: Okay, we're, our attempt is Kacharowski this week. is yeah. our attempt this week. I did see that picture though. It was hilarious. I, I have not you? seen this picture.
1: What what picture oh. is it?
0: It's it's in our it's in our Bash Bros Discord. It's under J. BBD, you've seen it. He's responded to it. Oh, I responded it's to funny. it? No, he hasn't. It's not. you looking at a wall, isn't it? Yeah. Go, go to general. He's like, how dare you say that I haven't done my job? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Paul is gas. All right. And then our last person is EJ Wren, And that is a tough job because it's impossible. This is Corey's down player. Y'all can't hold me back. He can't either.
0: He needs, uh, he needs some help. The only thing that's going to help Corey downplay is Adderall. His score is ADHD A F. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs>
0: that's true.
2: Well that that's went a down
0: a dark path, so it did go down a dark path. It's a real thing and and Corey manages it <laughs> yeah, yeah you should have seen Corey as a five-year-old holy hell <laughs> I used
1: to I used to my mom would rearrange or have all these like ornaments and little knickknacks everywhere I used to just like move them around for fun just because I couldn't sit still just to kind of tilt her off like I was a heinous so child. she had
0: knickknacks but did she also have patty, patty wax oh wax. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah and on that note, uh, on Brian. That note <laughs> thank you for watching another episode of the bash Bros podcast Cast. I'm Brad Nelson. I'm uh, with Corey Baumeister, and thanks again to Brian Brown Dune for being on the show. We'll be back hopefully next week where we are getting ready and finalizing our decks for Phoenix. But until then, you can go watch Corey play at the SDG Tour Richmond this weekend or watch the wonderful coverage from the, the two players' tours. I'm excited to be watching both of them. Um, and until then, go 49ers!